The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Two very important components in our, in our faith journey today. In the, in the first reading, one of the amazing and important parts of our faith is the providence of God. Uh, if, if you look at the etymology of the word um, to provide or, or providence in general, it it's comes from the Latin word profidere, which means to, like, to attain and to have foresight for. So, so it gives you this implication of preparing and then also kind of attaining something. And so when we say divine providence, it's, it's this providing that God does for us, but also having the foresight for what it is that we're actually going to need. And you can see in this particular story, which I always found to be a very beautiful, a beautiful story of the Old Testament, in that particular situation, the providence of God, you know, it beats out even nature, what we would understand of nature. And it also foreshadows what we've seen in certain Eucharistic miracles over time. Um, some of you may know of the Eucharistic miracle with um, uh, St. Don Bosco. Not the kind that were like the host bleeds or something like that, but a miracle of multiplication, where the sacristan back there didn't do their job that day, and they, they left the saboria of, of hosts in the back of the sacristy that was supposed to be consecrated. And there were something like 600 boys who were going to show up at this Mass, and there were not even close to enough hosts. Not just like sort of like a marginal amount, but like hundreds short. And Don Bosco opened up the, um, you know, when he went to the tabernacle and he opened up and saw how many hosts he had, he, he said a prayer and just started distributing the hosts. And they were multiplying within the saboria that he was holding, and they never ran out. And so, and, and even the sacristan testified to the fact that he said, this is the saboria I was supposed to bring out this morning, and it's still here on the counter. So the providence of God, that he absolutely provides for all of us. And, and even look at the context of that too, right? This is also the context of when a great judgment is eventually going to fall on the earth, right? Some of us think that there's a time, you know, ripe for that now, a great judgment coming to the earth. So these things, the providence of God knows no bounds of time, right? It's going to provide for no matter what the earthly situation we find ourselves or get ourselves into is going to be. And then the other aspect of that is once he provides for us, once we are fed by him, once he is in us, then what Deacon read today in the gospel, then that light shines forth 
he mentioned in the um, sacristy, Deacon said to me, he's like, the, the word that sticks out to me the most is must. Your light must shine to the world. And so that's, that's a pretty forceful way to say things, as in it's not really an option, right? And so there's two things I wanted to read about both of these points. So one is just the third day of the surrender novena, because I want you to listen about what the providence of God looks like for one that has foresight, one's, one that's foresight greater than us, and that he's providing on earth where things are fulfilled and, and on heaven, okay? So this is day three of the surrender novena for those of you familiar how many things I do when the soul in so much spiritual and material need turns to me, looks at me, and says to me, you take care of it, then closes its eyes and rests. In pain you pray for me to act, but that I act in the way you want. You do not turn to me. Instead, you want me to adapt to your ideas. You are not sick people who ask the doctor to cure you, but rather sick people who tell the doctor how to. So do not act this way, but praise I taught you in the Our Father. Hallowed be thy name, that is, be glorified in my need. Thy kingdom come, that is, let all that is in us and in the world be in accord with your kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, in our need, decide as you see fit for our temporal, our, our bodily, our earthly, and eternal life. If you say to me truly, thy will be done, which is the same as saying, you take care of it. I will intervene with all my omnipotence, and I will resolve the most difficult situations. Again, the absolute tone of that is the providence of God, of him providing for us, and us trying to not, not always provide for ourselves, not always take care of our own problems, or tell him how to take care of our problems, as it says there. And then the other component of this is once we go out into the world and we try to share this with other people, and I was sharing this book with you recently, this is called Finding Frasadi by uh, Christine Wohar. And, um, th and it's, these are, this is a great book, like I said, during Holy Hour. It's like very short reflections. But this is an example of Pierre Giorgio's life that really stuck out to me. There was one other simple action he took to communicate his deeply held beliefs. He would make a large and reverent sign of the cross whenever he passed a Catholic church. According to one observer, a public gesture like the sign of the cross at a time when those in politics held strong views against religion was sure to attract notoriety or even worse for a Catholic to result in being called names that were synonymous with moron. That's how fiercely spiritual values were discouraged in the time frame that Pier Giorgio lived. Pier Giorgio, of course, didn't make a sign of the cross to attract attention of any kind. He did it because he loved God and believed in the real presence of Jesus in the tabernacle of the church. And he believed a Catholic man should be a Catholic man inside or outside of politics, whether it was convenient or inconvenient. I sure wish he was running in the next election. That's what the author writes here. Um, just that's the example though, right? We're fed and like he said, he made that sign of the cross because he believed in the real presence of Christ in the tabernacle. We receive the real presence of Christ in us. Like I've been known to say, we're walking, talking tabernacles. And so if we receive him, then we go out to the world and we show him um, by gestures, <laughs> but by things that we actually believe. And, and if we do that, again, it, it, it evangelizes people. 
and it does not hide our faith, but it, but it shows it to the world. God bless you all.